hey, I think I'm working for someone who's toxic, narcissistic. They meet every single sociopathic, you know, uh, factor. What do I do? And we reviewed what I was concerned about. And this attorney said, you need to quit today. Profits have hit a record high and you've all worked overtime to make it happen. So it's time to be rewarded with a corporate pizza party. The podcast taking you inside the highs and lows of corporate America. Hosted by Dan Space, Farah Shargi, and Mike Petito. We couldn't afford bonuses this year, but sit back and enjoy the next best thing. Welcome back, everybody, for another corporate pizza party. I am very excited today. Uh, I teased last week that we have a special guest this week and excited to talk to her. And we're going to follow up a little bit about the bosses we made fun of last week, but actually try and give you some action items to move forward and talk about anything else that might be going on, including Gen Z now hating me on TikTok. I went from their hero to their enemy in one week because that's what can happen. Uh, So if you are out there, I'm very sorry. And... We'll go from there. First, I want to welcome our guest. Uh, you may know her on social media as Hack Your HR, um, Amy Lentz, who has built a following extremely quickly and gone from zero to, I don't know, 16 million followers or whatever she might be at now in less than a year. Um, but I'm going to let her tell you about herself. Amy, let's kick this interview off. Tell us about yourself. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, when I first joined the screen, I said, I'm fangirling all three of you. And I feel like I made it when Dan from HR not only knew who I was, but stitched a video of mine. Uh, so yes, my name is Amy Lenz. Thanks for having me. I do hack your HR on social media. I lead human resources at a global company. That's my little shtick. And I don't have a normal traditional background in HR, I came from the strategy and ops world and so have approached my HR position now with uh, a lot of non-traditional approaches, I would say. So I'm happy to, I'm happy to chat. I'm very happy to be here and get into what y'all talk about HR related. We've only had three guests, I think, up to this point, but every single one has essentially come on and say, at first I was very scared of Dan. And I was either stitched or joined by him. And then I realized what a, what a nice person Dan is. So Dan, your reputation continues. I'm Daniel from HR. I'm a business partner um, surrounded by lovely, talented, brilliant recruiters on this podcast. And my He's a recruiter. Yeah, I'm a recruiter, secretly a recruiter. Um, and my fun fact is I finally got to 2000 followers on my new TikTok account after my horrible ban. So that, that was a nice little milestone. Congratulations, Dan. Everyone, if you don't follow Dan yet and you still listen to his podcast, his new TikTok is in the show notes every time. We need to get his followers back up. He's going to start being able to go live again. Um, It is not right. Bring Dan back. He needs his 180,000 followers back. Uh, Farah, hello. Tell us about yourself. Oh, thanks, Mike. Hi, everyone. I'm Farah Shargi. I am a San Francisco-based tech recruiting leader, uh, content creator, and uh, career coach. And I have to say, I like I, again, I'm just such a big fan girl of Amy's, and I was so excited when Mike said, oh, we've got Amy who's coming on the show. And I was like, ah! So, Amy, again, happy that you're here, and, you know, can't wait to, like, dive in, because I have a couple of questions for you. So, happy, uh, happy to be here, and happy that you're here, Amy. Thanks. I'm really excited. Everyone is fangirling for each other right now. Um, Amy, right? And I said we even had sort of had this this quick connection. Amy is the first person who had a following that stitched a video of mine when I was first on TikTok. And I think at that time I had maybe like 
1200 followers and she had probably 20,000 or something like that. And she stitched a video of mine just like saying this video is great. I don't know who this person is, but he's great. And I gained like 6,000 followers that night. And everyone was like commenting, like hear from Amy. And, you know, I think that's something that growing content creators and big content creators don't always do for each other. Uh, you know, there's a lot of like anti stitches. There's a lot of here's why this person's wrong. And I don't think that there is a lot of actually boosting other people up, which is Amy's entire thing. And I think especially in us HR, if you listen to three of us, we joke how we're curmudgeons and we're mean and we make fun of everybody. And it's what we do. Uh, Amy is the exact opposite. Uh, Amy, one, why are you so positive? And two, like, just talk about it. Like, talk about that approach and how it worked for you so quickly. I have always been positive and I've thought, I wonder, it, it just kind of feels unfair. I wake up on the right side of the bed every day. I think it's in my natural wiring. And then you can't dismiss, you know, uh, just the experience you have growing up. I would walk into a room smiling and people would smile back at me. And so in my nature, and I was kind of the positive reinforcement. So I can't dismiss, you know, naturally I swing positive and then I've gotten positive validation in that. I think in the way that I approach HR, it goes down to, okay, well, why not? Or essentially, why can't we change something that needs to be changed? So my outlook has been and is, if there is a better way to do something, I don't mind the hard work to do it or the hard conversation to do it. And I think that's just been a lot of risk-taking and anxiety before the hard conversation. And then you get over it and build confidence. And now I'm at a point where I have so many laps under my belt. I don't know whatever two phrases I just combined, uh, but I have experienced enough positive reinforcement to think, okay, it, it can happen again. It can happen again. And then it does. So I think it's natural wiring, luck, and then also just continuing to take risks and hoping for the best. And then it works out. Yeah. And I think it surrounds you when you do that. Right. I look at the comment sections on a video of yours versus the comment sections on myself or Dan to a lesser extent fair, because fair, I think borders in the middle sometimes a little bit more, but like, right. Everyone there is so supportive. And I think it's probably about getting what you put out um, kind of back. And I think maybe when you're as snarky as someone like me, you ask for those snarky comments to come back onto your, your content. You just passed your one year. You, you know, gained all these followers in a quick year, obviously changed your life. Like I think many people have seen can happen very quickly in doing this for a year. All of us have had our lives changed by doing something. What, what drove it? Like just sort of all of a sudden. You know, I was scrolling TikTok and saw Dan being all curmudgeon about HR and thought, I need to add a positive voice on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that was... I wish that was half true, but I, I really did fangirl over Dan and his content. And I thought, wait, in the same way that someone like Dan can have a voice and people actually listen to him and his advice is sound uh, and his opinions are, I, I can't point to something I disagree with, but I remember seeing different HR content creators during the pandemic. And I thought, I have insight into what happens like the room where it happens. And it's hard, 
advice, but it's simple advice, which is essentially people don't know how to advocate for themselves up to their bosses, out to HR, during a performance review, when they're negotiating a job offer. And so if someone like Dan uh, brings a perspective, people look at him as an authority. I have the most simple advice. Quantify your impact. Say the hard thing. Ask for the raise. Why don't I just get started so that I can help people understand essentially how to get ahead in corporate? And so I made a couple of videos. I had Hacker HR as a handle idea. And my sister had a baby and I was helping out with uh, her and her baby for the first few weeks of 2023. And I got to the point where I thought I it something's always going to be happening in my life to pull me away from starting this. I just need to start it. Uh, I'm going to start it with the sole purpose of helping people. And I'm going to play the long game. I'm not going to sell anything. I don't want to do any paid ads. I really just want to give all of my most valuable information away for free with the intention to eventually grow it into something beyond social media. But for one year, my only goal is to post three times a day and have nine, about 90% of what I share be helpful. And then 10% be, here's how I do my makeup. Look at what I'm wearing. Welcome to my house. And so, but for the 90% of the time, I really intended and I, and I was motivated by equipping people with information that I think should be more available to people. And so the name Hack Your HR essentially came from a place of me wanting to help people hack whatever they need to get ahead that they might not get from their HR department. I love that. Amy, so now I'm curious because now you're bringing up Hack Your HR. Can you share some tips for our audience? Because, you know, as Mike said at the beginning of the show, you know, we've all had our fair share of toxic bosses. What are some ways that people out there can hack their HR when it comes to dealing with a toxic boss? I have had toxic bosses in the past, and the number one thing I say is- Name them. Give us their names. <laughs> Name them. <laughs> Don't look up my LinkedIn. Don't try to piece <laughs> together the storyline. No, I actually had a boss that was so toxic. Uh, they were just operating unethically, right? You know, as far as what I thought. And so I reached out to a labor and employment attorney uh, and- I said, hey, I think I'm working for someone who's toxic, narcissistic. They meet every single sociopathic, you know, uh, factor. What do I do? And we reviewed what I was concerned about. And this attorney said, you need to quit today. You need to take a week off for your mental health. You know, I don't, this is not worth fighting. There's right now, there's no lawsuit for you, but I would get out as quickly as you can. And so in that time, it really, I didn't matter. How I felt didn't matter. It was the world revolved around this boss. And so when we talk about toxic bosses, I think you have to differentiate. Do you just have a tough boss or do you have a boss that is putting you in a position day after day after day that compromises your morals, ethics, your health in any way? And so my advice is, if you're truly with someone toxic, quit your job, get a job, another job that can pay your bills while you 
detox and rest and then step into something else. But I think while you're in it, something that I find helpful, it's a script. So I know this is a podcast. So if anyone listening has a pen, take it out. But uh, the script is called the DESC script, D-E-E-S-C. So you described objectively what happened if you were to go to your boss and say, hey, share objectively what's happening. Nothing about how you feel. I think it's with a healthy boss, you could express how you feel. Um, but describe what happened, express how you feel if it's a healthier boss, but scratch that if they're toxic. Um, use empathizing words like I understand and then specify essentially what you need. Um, I want or objectively what's going on at the same time I need. And then you speak to the consequence or the outcome. If this happens, then we need to do this. So I would encourage folks to look up that script. It's a really simple formula to essentially keep whatever situation someone's into the facts. Um, Hey, I'm doing two jobs. I feel undervalued. I understand that we're not giving raises out right now. However, I want to fill in the blank. And so if I'm going to continue to do extra work, then this is what I need. So I would say as objectively as you can speak with your toxic boss, uh, I, I would keep it at that. I would say that's your best bet because typically with toxic people, everything revolves around them and you don't matter. Even if you do, to them, you don't. So I wanted to go back a little bit to what you said. So one of the the things I, I really love is how many HR content creators there are now on, on TikTok. And one of the best parts about other content creators is I had sort of developed a reputation within the first year because I, I went directly into job search, even though that, that you know that is a very small part of our role. So to have people that have different experiences than me, that have a different approach than me, I just, I'm like, this is awesome. Like this, I love the fact that there's so many other HR content creators because a lot of the advice that I give tends to pertain more to larger companies or like medium to large size companies. But time and time again, when I would make content, people would say, this is not applicable to me. I, I work at a startup. I work at a nonprofit. And so to have someone like you in your voice, uh, you know, on the optimistic, positive side, but also from that other range of experience, I think just gives people on social media a much bigger breadth of people to follow because I want to make sure that everyone can feel like they can access. So my question to you is kind of moving away from people, what is, what is your favorite area of human resources that you want to hack from the company side? Ooh, that I want to hack from the company side? So as an example, <laughs> well, um, this, this is what I was thinking because I think I just made a jump that had no connection to each other. Um, I'm like mean to everyone that I don't like, uh, which also includes other HR professionals, especially Sherm HR. I am one of their biggest D advocates because they're such a scam and all they do is charge people for a bunch of letters at the end of their name. So the idea of having new HR people come in and say, nope, we're not doing this anymore. So anytime I was consulting, I would throw out all performance rating systems like, nope, we're doing this. We're, performance rating systems is a legal back HR system. It throws away all of the benefits to it, which is to encourage conversations to focus more on coaching and development. So now when I talk to HR leaders and especially um, sort of new thinkers, like what is one of the areas of HR that you're like, nope, this is the old way we're doing it. This is going to be the new way that I want to introduce. Yes. Love that, Dan. So funny you say that. My team and I looked at the performance rating system and we essentially decentralized it. So it's the typical meeting expectations, exceeding, underperforming. We spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to orient people to that middle of the road rating 
with a healthy orientation. You're crushing your job. You're doing your job. How can we communicate that instead of a, I got the middle score instead of the high score. So that is an area that, uh, I, we worked on and changed and got fantastic feedback. I think what I have focused on a lot is looking at what the government requires companies to do and not holding that to be the gold standard. For example, if you don't work for, uh, you, you know, you, for medical leave, if you go on parental leave, if you need, need a surgery, you don't qualify for medical paid medical leave unless you've been at a company for a year. I work in the state of California. I said, okay, hold on, wait a second. Let's survey everyone at the company that's gone on medical leave over the last three years. Let's ask them a bunch of questions about their experience, ask for their recommendations, and then make change. So I think I look at I, I, I used to work in the government. So back in the day, I worked for a cabinet level ambassador at the White House and uh, who was over trade. So I got insight into essentially the back end of consumer product good companies for a little bit and saw just how inefficiently the government works. And I thought, okay, so now I'm leading the... I think every department thinks they're the heartbeat of the company. Now I'm leading the heartbeat of, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe not the heartbeat, but I'm leading the resource function for humans at a company. And we're going to rely on boundaries and laws set forth by a notoriously inefficient system. Scratch that. What's best for the people? And we know it's best because we're going to talk to them. So I think I... I have respect for our really, you know, our government tremendously, and we need to change so much. And that can start in corporations. And I truly believe we can lead the way. And so I think it's leading the way through not looking to laws as the gold standard, but setting the gold standard and just using that as a baseline. And so you said something that I find so important and I have so much evidence from it for the last two years. When I was doing consulting, any consulting job that I had where the people would talk to the leaders would talk to the people, what do we want to do? Here's the problem we have to solve. That continued to build so much engagement, so much commitment, so much loyalty. I helped a company do a 200 person layoff because the company leader said, this is what we are going to have to do. And 120 people self-volunteered, 30 kind of saw themselves out of a job once they were doing all the restructures. So to do an unplanned layoff of 50 versus 200 was so much better. And so I love what you just said as it relates to, instead of us just making the things at the top and using laws, let's talk to the people. And the more that you talk to the people and they involve in the decisions, the much more commitment and engagement that you get. So huge, huge, huge fan of that. I think just taking a reasonable, realistic approach to human nature and human behavior has worked really well. And I understand not every company leader can see the long game. If I give everyone Friday afternoons off, maybe that's when they'll get all of their personal to-dos done instead of all throughout the week, which is going to impact productivity. So there are a lot of hacks that I've brought into my company. Fun fact, Dan, just going back to something you said, uh, I removed the Sherm letters from my LinkedIn because of how much you made fun of it and hated it being on there. Uh, when you helped me with my LinkedIn one day, I'd like you like, you're like, oh, that's fine. You have it on there, whatever. And I could sense <laughs> the, the hatred from you. 
uh, for it. And I was just like, no, he's right. And I deleted it. It's always for the company. It's never for the people because I know how much work it is to take the test and go through it. It's just the idea that these people sell like $1,800 textbooks and like you have the tutors saying, we know that this is deliberately difficult and they box HR into one of four potential solutions when every single HR situation is going to be millions of different ones. Like I generally have to train people out of Sherm thinking if I hire them. Yeah, it was solely a job searching thing for me, right? I can say that when like I got laid off and I didn't know what to do and I panicked and I like signed up for like the exam. Uh, I bought like a $30 book on Amazon and studied and did fine because I think that's – but yeah, I saw like their course is like $1,800. Like what is this? Like why is why is this being made so complicated? Curious, and this is something that comes up. So, Amy, one thing, like, we all go live, and, like, we're on on TikTok a lot. Um, and I think, like, you and I have managed to do a couple together, and it's always sort of, like, different to see the types of people who come in. Also, how we handle, like, when someone comes in with, like, something shitty to say, the way I respond to them versus the way that you're just like, well, what if we approached it from this way? What do you, What's your response to, like, the classic thing? Because there's people who listen to this, and we all have our things. And I think people know our approach to stuff. Um, but what is your response to people who are just like, I don't care what you're changing, what you're doing, like you're not helping me, you're not helping people. What do you how can you show them right? what you are trying to do for them or, or what's your general response to that? I would say we all have a container of energy. I used to manage my time. Now I manage my energy and I have trained myself to not give people that are just seeking to drain my energy any of my energy. I think that there are always going to be people that essentially are looking for an excuse for them to stay in a, a, you know, people talk about a victim mentality. What does that mean? I have coached people and they have asked me what to do and I give them a playbook for what to do and they don't do it. And then they are complaining. And then I have coached people and they do exactly what I do or they change it, but essentially they take action and they come out feeling more empowered over having agency over their life and decisions. And so if for people that, you know, say, I hate HR, HR doesn't have a soul or a spine, or you're only working for the company, or, you know, my favorite is the equivalent of people that give car tickets, like walking around and giving car tickets, like that's who (laughs) HR is. That's my favorite comparison. Uh, Like, how could you possibly want to, you know, work in that kind of an industry? I think people either, and it's not their full identity, but people either look for ways to change in a positive way or look for ways to stay where they are. um, And then blame lack of change on something external rather than looking internally. And so it really doesn't bother me when people kind of shit on HR. However, I have experienced toxic bosses. I have had plenty of experiences at previous companies with leaders and or HR professionals walking away thinking, I feel gaslit. I feel lied to. I was told that my offer wasn't negotiable. Now I find out it was. So I'm getting paid $5,000 less than I should have been from day one. And now I'm two years in and where's the compounded $5,000. And so when I hear people complain, I, I typically think, well, that's your, that's your choice. I have so much to complain about and I am so privileged in almost every single way. I, I, operate in the world from a place of, okay, I have agency and it's up to me to figure out 
what I can do to knock on doors. And if if I don't knock on the door, I can't be mad that the door didn't open. And so I, when I hear people complain about HR, I completely understand. I've been there. Every industry has professionals that aren't trustworthy, HR being one of them. HR just seems to get a lot of flack because it's connected to pay and that's super personal. And compensation is only one part of what we do, but it's the most sensitive part and you know, affects you every single day, part of what we do. By the way, we got Amy to swear. So we did it, everybody. Um, (laughs) (laughs) To me, it's sort of as simple as every department represents and works for the company. And I think sometimes like HR is tough, right? Because in HR, you are, like you said, not just salary, but HR is the one who has to do those layoffs, right? And that video went mega viral, right? With the, the layoff happening and was that layoff done well? Probably not. Um, but I also promise everybody listening or everybody who hates that video that the people on the other end of that call would have rather been doing anything but that call that day, anything else. And I think people think that like sometimes like HR enjoys that stuff or doesn't. And it's like often like the worst part of the job. And and I think people forget that there's like there's actual people just like legal has to defend the company, even if they don't necessarily believe in what the company was doing in that case. And sales has to sell the product to make the company money. Like everyone's job is ultimately do what the company needs you to do. So someone someone filmed herself getting laid off. The CEO came out and said that it was performance related. It wasn't a layoff. And so I want to bring that up because when so many people tagged me in this video and she is saying she was laid off and I'm going, that's so strange that the people laying her off are commenting on performance. A layoff is not performance related. This is a little weird. And then what do you know? A few days later, the CEO essentially comes out and says, "This we're not doing a layoff. We're not doing a reduction in force. This was performance related. It was kind of harsh, but I, I thought to myself, okay, that HR doesn't know what they're doing. A few days later, I'm going, oh, she's misrepresenting what actually happened. And however many hundreds of thousands of people that have seen it, and now it has hit the press. And I just bring that up because you don't totally get a full picture from social media. Like I'm in a professional looking sweater. I'm wearing sweatpants. You don't have the full picture. (laughs) As am I, Amy. I'm on professional head to toe at all times in front of camera. So it's fine. Uh, There's a lot of people on the internet who think I need a haircut and a shave and better clothes constantly. You got a haircut. I did get a haircut. Yeah. Um, I usually make a video when I get a haircut calling out somebody in the comments who complained about my haircut. Um, So I did not this time. But Farrah was actually just in BBC uh, talking about this video and sort of very similar point of like recording these videos can be a lot of backtrack for you. Right, Farrah? Yeah. And I, you know, I mentioned, you know, how social media is making this process more transparent, which in some ways I think is comforting to others to see that because it's becoming more normalized. Like I hate the idea that layoffs are being normalized. I hate that. I think, you know, back in the day, I think back in 2008, I worked at a company where they were laying people off, but it was more of an embarrassment. Like you felt it from the CEO that they didn't want to do this, but it was just because of what was going on in the financial landscape cut to now. And, you know, CEOs are just looking at layoffs as just another way of cutting corners to, you know, overly inflate profitability. But I also talked about in the BBC article how, you know, if you misrepresent 
yourself, you could actually put yourself in a bad legal situation. You may not even get your severance. The company could sue you. So you have to be, you have to exercise good judgment if this is something you're going to want to do and put on the internet. Because once it's on the internet, it's out there forever. So is that, do you want that to follow you? Because if a recruiter, if another interviewer, if a hiring manager actually sees this video at some point, then they see your name and they go, huh, isn't that the person that made that video? And then they Google you and then they find the video. And then all of a sudden an interview you have, which just was just canceled. So, you know, there's just, I feel like it's just, there's just too much risk involved if you publicly put your layoff video out there. And depending on the state that you're in, it's illegal to record without someone's consent. Dan, were you about to say that? That and um, the one that I was thinking um, also had the people's names and that could be like an unintentional doxing because I know that there was one person who published a layoff and the person introduced themselves on the call and that went really, really viral. And the person got like hundreds and thousands of comments on LinkedIn and had to like remove herself from LinkedIn because like uh, she had, she had said something wrong and it found out like she was, she had only been there for like a month and a half. She was a temp, um, you know, she was just sort of given a script. So it was really understandable that the person who was laid off was, you know, got that. But like, this was, this was a poorly trained messenger, but she had gotten hundreds, if not thousands of negative comments. So that as well as the two party consent, I'm like, I get you being upset, but if it has to be, I, I am upset because this just happened. Not this is the person that laid me off. We're all putting our HR hats on for this. And we all hope the best for like everybody in these situations, right? But these are things to keep in mind. And I think this video got so big that this person probably is not going to suffer many repercussions because it's almost just like if the company were to go after her, it would only paint a worse picture and continue a situation they're probably trying to get behind them. But for most people who won't get 50 million views on doing something like that and just might piss someone off internally, uh, it is something worth keeping in mind for sure. I want to right, plug Amy, of course, it's uh, TikTok, Instagram, Hack Your HR. You, sure. you have a podcast coming soon? I do. I have a podcast coming soon. They say, don't tell people what you're doing. Just do it. I am telling people what I am doing and I will launch as soon as I possibly can, but I'm going to start my own podcast. I'm really excited. And I am hoping to essentially ask questions that I would want people to ask folks that get interviewed. Hey, Dan, you are the OG HR content creator. Essentially, what were you like as a kid? And so I'm hoping to peel back the curtain, uh, not just in HR, uh, not just in corporate, not just with you know your traditional leaders, but just people I find interesting. For example, I will be, one of my first interviews will be with someone that did HR at the Playboy Mansion and had to fire Hugh Hefner's mom. So he has agreed. He has followed up. I cannot wait to talk to him and uh, see how that conversation unfolds. I, I'm really excited. Dan? Dan looks really excited for that interview. Dan is turning all shades of fuchsia and purple. Not even red. Thank God we're now on YouTube. People will see what happened when Dan heard this story. Um, and if you ever need a tip with your podcast on how to get between three and 500 listeners an episode, we, we are more than happy to show you how to be in the small triple digit uh, followers. Um, beyond that, we always have to end this interview the right way uh, before you go. We know you love this interview question as much as we do as well. Uh, do you have any hesitations about this episode, Amy? You know, Dan losing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I'd be curious to I'd be curious to see how often all three of you lose it. We all do. No, I have no hesitations. It's truly for the three to five hundred people listening. You know something that that I find interesting, Mike. Mike, when you and I have gone live, people have essentially commented on. I don't want to take advice from Mike, essentially, for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Maybe yeah, look like Seth. Yeah, I think something. Well. Not when you're going live with me. So, of course, I think I think people have hesitation around taking advice from people that they don't fully agree with everything that they say. There are gold nuggets with all three of you and with lots of content creators, and so I would encourage folks not to be as hesitant with truly gold nuggets if you know, you hear one thing you disagree with, is it something unethical or is it just a preference or a personal opinion? But you three have such solid toolboxes and I am just, I want to be very encouraging of people that listen to you all to really take what you say to heart because you three have such fantastic perspective um, and that's backed up by a lot of success stories. So just a plug for this group. Um. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you to plugging for everyone who's made it this far into the episode. Uh, with your help being on this episode, we might get up to like 600. Who even knows? Um, we will see. Um, Amy, thank you so much for coming. We know you do have to run. Um, we love you. We're very excited for your success in the year, and we're excited to see what's going to happen with your podcast whenever it comes next. Dan cannot wait to hear the Playboy story. Um, for everybody else in show notes, I'll have all info of where to find Amy as well as us. Um, I will even remember the acronym she talked about and spell that on the show notes for you. Um, if that'll be helpful for you to go find it there, please continue to like and rate the podcast. We got those first week ratings. They look great. For those of you who are still listening, haven't done it yet. Send me the DMs you're sending me. That's great. But also review it on Spotify and Apple. Uh, Amy is a big fan of advocating for yourself. So I'm going to do it for us right here. Um, and with all that, thank you for joining us, Amy. And we will see you all next week. Thank, thank you. Amy. Bye, love. Bye.